Hello, and welcome to another lecture of Fallen Wisdom. Today, I'm going to talk about the whole program, from top to bottom. I've been on a long quest since my last show. Many different kind of conflicting advice I've given sometimes on this, and I'm sorry for that. Because these lectures, these lessons, this fallen wisdom falls upon me at erratic times and in erratic ways. And I'm not always completely tuned into the frequency. But I think I've got it now on a certain level. Interesting though it may be. I finally figured out how to eat. I've been struggling with that for some time. I've been trying different methods. Fasting was one of them. Uh, long fast. I recommend those just for clarity. But to see that nothing is more important than food. Everything else sort of pales in comparison to that. Just not understanding that. You lose sight of it when it's so available and you can eat as much as you want. You just lose sight of it, how important food is and what it's doing to you, what it's doing to your psyche. Every single thing that you put in your body has an effect. But food more than anything else. Because with food, you are merging with it. Food is like merging with another object. Do I want to merge with this object? Look at the object you're about to eat. Do you want to merge with that? Does that help you? Does that give you strength to merge with this product? Does it? I think it does. So what I want you to do is merge with your food. Just realize what it's about. Merge with the food. Look at the food. Now, if it's mostly carbohydrates and you merge with the food, you start to run on straight-up intermouthal glucose. Now, intermouthal glucose, glucose that you produce, that you, that you get from the world, the exogenous zone, that is like a crack cocaine of a sort. And that puts you on a kind of hamster wheel not really a hamster wheel, a yo-yo of mood swing, of energy level, of just imbalance. It teeters you back and forth between two extremes, and your mind goes with it. And on this constant roller coaster that most people's minds are on, it's, it's really remarkable that they're getting anything done and that they're living even a fraction of the life they could lead. But they are. They're managing, which is just 
a testament to the human condition. A testament, really. The fact that who's out there right now living on carbohydrates, living on starchy stuff, it's, it's a not, you're, you're not living an even kill existence. You think you are. You might think you're level-headed. You might do all kinds of meditation to deal with it. But you're in some choppy waters, some choppy, bloody waters. And for a few thousand years, our ancestors have been in these choppy, choppy, choppy waters that come from the eating of too much of, of, of glucose, of insulin-spiking food, of glucose, exogenous glucose, for 30 million years human beings created their own glucose. For 30 million fucking years, human beings created their own glucose. They, never, they rarely got it from outside. When they did, it was a rare treat, a piece of fruit. Oh, we love it. But God understood this. God knew that once we understood that this fruit would be so good and so tasty, that we would make more of it, that we would grow rows and rows of it, that we would squeeze it and put it into juices, and that we would crack it up into, like, crystals and make it into sugar and put it into that. He saw the road to perdition in the very thing that made us so joyous. The fruit of knowledge, the fruit itself, all fruit, all sugar, all glucose, all exogenous glucose. That was the fall of man. We were in perfect balance with nature. If we had just stayed to our hunter-gatherer ways, this was paradise. We did not need this civilization. This civilization came from the fractured minds of people trying to create some boundaries around which these whirling dervishes of humans are, are trapped in. They're trapped. They're hating it all the time because they're on glucose, exogenous glucose, and it's, it's killing them too. It's keeping them from being immortal, that's for sure. So why, is this, why did this happen? It was just the natural progress of of learning how to plant the fruit, eat the fruit, love the fruit, eat so much of the fruit that you die? Yes. That you are no longer immortal? Yes. People are like, well, fruit? How could fruit be bad for you? When we came across it in nature, it was like a godsend. It was like, oh, my God, look, a fruit. Oh, it's so good. And you'd eat it and it'd be so great. Why? Because you're giving yourself something you already make. Of course it tastes beautiful. Because you make it. And your body loves what it makes. Your body loves itself. But your body can't live on it. In fact, your body dies from too much of it. So, for 30 million years, as hunter-gatherers, human beings were in perfect balance with, 
the earth. The minute they tasted the fruit, they decided the fruit should be farmed, and then everything else after that, farmed, toiling away on this farm when everything was out there. Of course, this exploded the population, made all kinds of sicknesses break out, all kinds of crimes and genocides and all kinds of things that follow from overpopulation. All because we decided to farm the fruits. Not only did we not not eat the fruit, we farmed it and gave it to our children. So society had to be formed because the chaos inside every single one of these glucose, these crack-taking glucose eaters, are, there's such chaos inside the mind of that this, the, the blood sugar, the 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 swinging of mood. Laws had to be created to just deal with it. Nobody saw the gradual effect. They just thought, oh, look, humanity's gotten so much more brutal. Why? We've been at it for maybe 5,000. How many years of civilization have we had? 20,000 maybe? In all the 30, 000, 30 million years that we've humans, this species has been here, we've only had a few thousand, maybe a 10, 20, of, of real kind of city-state civilization with farming and all that kind of stuff. This is relatively recent, and genetically we're not equipped for it. We never were. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be doing this. We fell. We fell into this hell by doing that. This hell of a civilization. We have to actually, like, go to work and make money to get food, to get things. And where all these stupid things don't make, you know, so... Now, some say, hey, this was the only way to get us to go to outer space. This was the only way to bring humans to other planets. And that's why when I think about that, I accept it. I don't get angry anymore. I understand. The Native Americans, the Aborigines, they weren't going to build a rocket out of the sheer nihilistic self-regret. They wouldn't have any. They wouldn't have enough. They wouldn't have the, the... the burning hatred of life to just go about doing that, to try to make life just a little bit better, to try to be successful, to try to get the accolades to distract you from the maelstrom inside of you. Because that is what this whole society is about in terms of the diet and the food and the recommended daily allowances. That's the matrix. They want you to be in a perpetual state of disgruntled shittiness and then pretend that you're having a good time. Pretend that everything's going okay by getting money and by putting yourself out there in the form of a shell that looks successful, but, in, but inside, inside, everybody's in despair. They can't not be. And people are like, well, Dave, speak for yourself, buddy. I'm speaking lectures of fallen wisdom for 30, the 30 million old man inside of you. 
you eat one more exogenous insulin spiking carbohydrate, you are just slapping one more lash of torture onto that poor animal that did not ask to be burdened by this yoke of civilization, in fact, is recoiling from it at every moment, is repulsed by it, is raped by it. And you're just going to drive it along again? Drive it along with the food that was almost seeming to be there to create the slavery. You want to create more slavery for yourself, for your mind, for your moods? What I'm getting at is we created glucose out of protein and fat and the other things that we would find along the way as we were hunting and gathering, mostly hunting. And a few nuts here and there, but nothing too glucose-producing, nothing too to the point where our insulin levels would have to raise up to deal with the glucose level. We were manufacturing it through, a, I think it's called thermogenesis, through burning, our, the, the eating and then burning the fat, burning the fat from our own bodies. Mostly. Burning sugar, we didn't have access to it for 30 minutes. And we've been running on essentially blood sugar for about, I want to say 10,000 years, maybe 520, I'll say 20,000. 20,000 years. It's probably less than that, but I'm going to even give it 20,000. What's 20,000 years in the scope of 30 million years? I ask you. <laughs> you can't answer that. It's small. It's nothing. It's a blip. Let us step off this blip, please. It wasn't a good one. I don't think it was. I understand we're going to go. You have to go to space now. Bravo. Now let it end. We know how to get to space. Let's continue to... We're going to have to actually now keep on that project because we've created such a mess here on this planet. We're going to have to find other planets. We've created too many humans to live here and we're going to create too many more in the future. But let's make everybody from now on be calm, relaxed, happy. Not that hard. Just manufacture your own glucose. Don't get food that spikes the glucose without it coming from somebody, some fat burning you're doing. Now, what happens is, is we get into a state where we're running on straight ex external glucose. We burn some, we store some. We, we're burning more, we're burning less than we're storing. And so as we 
have a carbohydrate-rich diet, and I don't care if it's healthy carbs or not healthy carbs. It doesn't really matter because there's such a, a, a blurry line between them anyway, and one leads to the addiction for the other. So they're both drugs, okay? One is like cocaine. One is crack. Both drugs. And you can get to, you can be pretty efficient for like 80 years running on crack of food, which is the sugar part of food, the carbohydrate part of food. It turns out the human being is very resilient. So what the human being does is just become very efficient in burning through the raising of insulin and burning sugar once it comes in the bloodstream. But there's like, a lot your liver has to deal with, especially when it comes to fruit. Fruit is almost 100% fructose, fructose. Fructose can only be metabolized by the liver. So that tells you that it's a poison. It's a poison that the trees basically put out there <laughs> to kill humans. And, and guess what? It's working. It's helping, it's helping to rid... Can you imagine if everybody, if, if, human, if the humanity as today was immortal? It would never be. But if it was, it would be, it'd be atrocious. And the trees that create the fruits, they understand this. They know they have to get rid of us. And they're doing a pretty good job because we are such distracted and anguished people that we are destroying this planet as we speak. We are condemning this planet to non-livable conditions because we're searching for happiness. Well, happiness is so easy to find if we can just learn to create, again, our own glucose and not rely on external, uh, external forms of it. Just, it is a drug. And I refuse to take the drug any further. I will not be a prison to that drug. I've been, I've been an asshole because of that drug. I've made poor decisions because of that drug. I've gotten super fat because of that drug. I've lost so many women because of that stupid drug. So many hot, hot women. Never going to happen again. And alcohol? Another fucking poison. The only way alcohol gets out of your system, right through your little liver. And that little liver, like a little poor little animal, man. Why are you going to tax that thing, man? Don't put the poison in there, man, if you don't have to. Everything you take in, including marijuana, including, like, tobacco, any kind of toxin you take in to be intoxicated, it's going to go through your liver. The liver's going to have to clean that out. So just go easy on it, man. It's a small animal compared to you. It's like your little pet dog. Just think of that. Every time you take a puff of something, you're basically blowing it in your little pet dog's face. So just go easy, man. Be chill. Be chill with it. And especially with the sugar, man. I would just get, a, get out of it completely because... It breeds its own hunger. There's no such thing as moderation when it comes to exogenous sugar. It breeds its own immoderation. You always go overboard. You always end up with a fatty liver. 
That's a condition where your liver starts to grow fat on it. And if you have any kind of fat around your midsection, you, my friend, have a fatty liver. And that fatty liver is, comes from sugar coming through the liver and clogging it up, mostly fructose and alcohol. Table sugar is 50% fructose. Fruit is about 100% fructose. I mean, it's not 100% fructose. It's all its sugar is derived from fructose, but it has other things like fiber. And a lot of people cite the fiber of fruit for the reason why you should be able to eat fruit. It's just, it's, it's a ploy, man. Why eat fiber when it has poison, when it's soaked in poison? Why? Now, of course, you can eat fruit about as frequently as our hunter-gatherer friends came across it in the wild, which is maybe like in the summer a lot, in the winter never, and in the summer not a ton either because there was only a, enough fruit for people to grow. There weren't like groves of fruit. But what we're talking about here, even for thousands of years during the farming, there was no fruit in the winter. There was some storing maybe, some drying of the fruit. But once we became, regardless, once we became hunters, I mean, once we became farmers, it was, it was a done deal. We were going to become all the dumb addicts to carbohydrates. And that's what happened. And people think, oh, well, it's everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. Well, the problem with that idea is that poison in moderation is always bad. There is no moderate thing for poison. And whenever you're taking in glucose, and if you, like, you can take it in now and then, it's not going to kill you every once in a while. I'm never going to touch it again. To me, it's like, oh, yeah, you can do crack once in a while. Is that true? I don't know about that. I don't think I can do crack cocaine once in a while. So, under that theory... I don't think I can do crack of food once in a while without opening the door to doing a lot more crack of food, more than I'm willing to do, more than I should do, more than I should ever do. And that's why I am going to obey what God said in the Garden of Eden and stay in the Garden of Eden and not eat that piece of fruit. By golly. And I'm going to be happy and in paradise forever. I'm going to create my own glucose and my own endorphins. I'm not going to rely upon alcohol to do that. I'm going to... Because alcohol, another thing is alcohol is sugar. That's all it is. It's just fermented. So you're, it's, and that's how your, your liver treats it. It's not like your liver treats that as some different, it's, it's a different kind of sugar. It's probably even more hard, harder for it to process than fructose. Fructose. I don't know how to pronounce it. 
it's it's probably harder to deal with than for your liver. But the only reason you want alcohol is because you're in a, you're in a terrible tension. I mean, the tension that that shit puts in you, that that sugar and the swings that it causes, and other carbohydrates put in you. The, the the moodiness, the, the the just the sheer tension of it all, the fear, the loathing, the anxiety, all of it. Of course, you're going to need some alcohol, and of course, alcohol is actually going to be healthy for you. Like they say, oh yeah, a drink a day is really good for you. Why? Because you're tensely shit. Because you're on carbohydrates, you're living a life on mostly carbs, you're going to be tense as fuck. And if you don't get a drink, you're going to die a premature death. So, yes, I can see how a couple drinks a day for a carbohydrate addict would extend their life. But a lot of them drink way too much. That doesn't extend their life. So that's the maelstrom that people are dealing with. And, like, they don't even realize it. They think that, you know, they're just emotional. Or they think that, like, this guy, no, he's a real asshole. It's like, no, none of that's true. These external factors aren't, aren't a big deal. That you're, you're not emotional. You're fucking addicted. You're an addict. You're lashing out because you're in a low blood sugar state. You're in a... You, you you feel different at every moment. You feel, like, uncomfortable at every moment. If that's somebody that, that describes you, then, like, you have to look into doing... And I don't, I don't like to call it what it is, but it basically is a keto diet. But a keto diet has gotten... It's a lot of interpretations out there of what the keto diet is. And all I mean is don't eat stuff that's going to spike your insulin. Don't eat anything that's going to spike your blood sugar. Those are kind of one and the same. Like if you spike your blood sugar, it spikes your insulin. Your insulin has to release into your blood to basically take that um, – its job is to take that um, sugar – and store it as fat. Get it out of your blood. Because if, if there's blood, that's why diabetics, you know, they get into going to shock because they have too much blood, too much sugar in their blood, and they don't have the insulin to deal with it. Their insulin response is nothing. So you want to make sure that your insulin response is not constantly having to kick into gear. In fact, it should never kick into gear. Burning your own glucose, burning your own fat, and burning fat that comes into your body, that will not spike your blood sugar, and that will not create insulin. That will not create a state where your body's in storage mode, which is essentially what happens when your insulin spikes. That's why fasting is, is so needed for muscle growth and for, for weight loss. 
we need to be in a hungry state. We need to be in a fasting state to get into fat-burning mode. And you get there much faster on a keto diet than you do on any other diet. And we've been living as keto animals for 30 million years until very recently. Now, what does this mean? Like, what is the keto thing? It's, it's such a loaded term these days. It's people, people think you're just eating a bunch of cheese and meat. Mostly you're eating meat or you're eating some kind of raw protein that comes from like a pea. One of the benefits of today's society is that they have created this thing called pea protein, which is, turns out to be every bit as rich and protein-rich as, as meat. But you may question that. I certainly kind of question that. Anything that's processed, anything that's kind of put out there as a, as a product, it's suspect, right? When you get, like, organic grass-fed meat, there's something so ancient about it. Giving thanks, of course, to the animal and what it gave for you. But a sustainable farm is one that doesn't treat animals cruelly. Although all farming is wrong, it should just be hunted food. You against the animal. If the animal gets away, then you should be able to live. In any case, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So on this version of keto, you're just eating... Proteins, a little bit of fat, as much fat as you feel like eating. It's, uh, and one avocado a day is usually takes care of it. A little cup of, a little bit of olive oil or butter or whatever. And then vegetables, fibrous vegetables, vegetables that create fiber in your intestines. to create a balanced gut that that can essentially become a, a like a a little center of happiness in your belly that radiates out like a sun you have to treat your belly like it's your brain because it's actually more as more neurons in your belly in your stomach than in your brain your brain is an outpost of your belly. Your belly is like the brain of your whole existence. So treat it right. And carbohydrates do not treat it right. Carbohydrates affect the brain. Affect the brain of your in your head. Affect your emotions. You'll never feel good on them. You may for a moment, you may for some brief moment of success, but that's just because you manufactured it out of sheer desperation. Now, maybe the whole of modern civilization would never have occurred if it wasn't for this fall of man 
this eating of the fruit, this farming of the fruit, this this whole edifice would not be here. And, and it was just the way things were supposed to go so we could get into outer space. Is that what the universe did to us? Apparently so. But you, my friend, can go back into the Garden of Eden very easy. It takes, a few, it takes about four weeks of not eating carbohydrates consistently to feel... I understand now what Mr. Mike Trojan is saying in his lectures of fallen wisdom. And do not do the fasting until you get into a keto kind of way for at least two weeks. So eat keto foods. Only for like two weeks. Don't worry about when you're eating. and You can eat as much as you want, put it that way. You're going to be ravishing in hunger because you're going to be coming off your addiction to carbohydrates. And that's going to take a few weeks just to even feel balanced from. And you're going to have, you're going to have a lot of cravings for it. But the way you counteract it is just by eating more keto food, eating more food that that's, that has a lot of fiber or a lot of fat or a lot of protein and not and, – and very low carbohydrates. I mean, everything has a little bit of carbohydrates, even a lettuce. The idea is that you don't want to – you don't want to get food that will break your ketosis. Now, once you start to get into ketosis, you start to understand because your brain will start to feel extremely clear. You'll start to be like, wow, like – why was I such an emotional fucking... Well, you'll realize what. Also, coffee. I was kind of railing against coffee because it makes you create your own glucose. And I thought that was something that probably was concerning. And of course it was if you're already taking in tons of glucose already. You don't need some coffee to, give you, to make you make more. So it is bad. Coffee is bad for you when you're a carbohydrate addict. But when you are in a keto-type thing, it's actually fine. And it's, like, fucking awesome. The one kind of drug that you can... Now, you want to go overboard. But it's the one drug that you can kind of, like, maybe indulge in a little bit. Now, I like the bulletproof coffee idea because it kind of slows down the effect of it and lets it last for a little longer and gives you fat to burn, gives you fat to ingest, that balances out the sugar that you're taking in. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but the coffee with a little bit of MCT oil, some... um, coconut milk from a can, unsweetened, and some turmeric is a real blast. Oh, and a little bit of mushroom powder. There's some coffee around that has mushroom powder in it. It's pretty good stuff. But that's the one kind of thing you can kind of have fun on. And, like, it won't, it won't 
create the mood swings and the agitation as it does when you're on carbohydrates. It's, it's a much more smoother high. It's a much more smoother buzz. And it's, it's probably something that as ancient humans, we munched on here and there for, for eons, coffee, coffee beans or whatever, some kind of speed that we found in just chewing on a plant. But because it's not sweet and it's a little bit bitter, there was always a limiting factor. So, you know, you don't want to be like chugging coffee. After you, after you um, go for about two weeks on keto, your hunger level will go dramatically down. It will be like much, it'll take you much longer to get hungry and you'll be much less hungry when you're actually coming for a time for a meal. So then you'll be able to like do some intermittent fasting where you just kind of like, like don't eat for 18 hours basically and then eat for as, many, as much as you want and then wait and then just go another 18. And that'll just further kind of bring you down into the realm of, of Eden, of paradise. It will just, it, 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 it makes you into a different kind of person. Now, what's another thing that people used to do in Eden that they didn't do in this society? Well, go into cold water and bathe in cold water. There was no warm water in Eden. Maybe some hot springs here and there that went on your wanderings. Maybe some people, that's, they had the hot springs. Okay, those natural hot springs, I guess. But for the most part, we were cold water bathers for 30 million years. So I invite you to try the cold shower in the morning. I'm going to talk about another, I'm going to do another show all about this, but the cold shower in the morning is a tremendous mental edge that you gain over so many people. Trust me on it. Just take it in the morning. Just take it. Force yourself. Feel the discomfort. Feel the discomfort and then show yourself how it's really not that discomfort. How it's fine. But also how it's, yes, it's very uncomfortable, but you can take it. It's, it's just, it's all about getting back into Eden. Reminding your 30 million year old body that you're back and happy again. That's just a little accent. You don't have to do the cold shower if you don't want to. Try this if you don't want to do that. Go for a long hot shower and then just throw the cold water on in the last minute. Feel the fresh cold water on your hot body. That's one way of doing it. And then you can work your way up to just doing it straight up cold. Cold as possible. Anyway, it's better to take these things gradually. Like I said, don't shock your body. Although with the cold shower, shock your body. Right? But I'm talking about in the, food, in the food thing. If you want to cut out carbs in one meal and then work your way up through the meals, do it that, do it that way. But understand, why do you, you'll see after two weeks, man, living for years in a horrible 
mental condition and you didn't even know it. Like you were miserable and you thought you were happy. Anyway, and you'll be in fucking great shape too. That's the thing. But it's tough, man. Remember, you're you're going to be recovering for a long time from this drug addiction. So it's better to start as soon as possible, and it's never too late. I've seen people that are like, they look like they're eight years old, and all of a sudden, after a couple, few years of keto and, like, fasting, they look like they're 30 again. It's happened. This is Lectures of Fall of Wisdom. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.